0: Today on ENR's Critical Path Podcast, we talk to a Navy veteran who overcame disability and adversity to build a multi-million dollar company offering unique solutions for the construction industry. I'm Eileen Cho,
1: and I'm Jeff Yoders,
0: and this is an ENR Exec Talk. Dr. Scott Arias is the CEO of Ace Consulting Company, which specializes in Division I services for both commercial and government projects. The company is a certified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business that donates 10% of its profits to the Lexington Leadership Foundation, which funds various 501c3 organizations in the local community. Arias was a United States Navy CB senior chief. In 2002, Scott was promoted to chief petty officer after, after serving eight years. At that time, he was one of the youngest individuals in the Navy to earn this rank. Just days after his promotion, he was involved in a severe motorcycle accident, costing him his left leg. He was the fifth amputee in naval history to return to full active duty. He retired as a senior chief petty officer after 12 years of service. Scott went on to oversee the constru- construction of 12 U.S. embassies overseas. He has written and published two books, is finalizing a third book slated to be published later this year. He is an adjunct professor at Eastern Kentucky University, hosts a weekly podcast, serves on the board of directors for several organizations, and volunteers with various charities. Scott, welcome to our podcast.
2: How are you doing today?
0: Great. How are you?
2: Good, cold, but doing well.
0: Right. Tell us where you're based.
2: Uh, Well, our main office is uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. Actually, it's Nicholsville, which is right outside Lexington.
1: Beautiful area, Kentucky. Midwest editor Jeff Yoder's here. So I am familiar with Kentucky. Love going through the rolling hills.
0: So, Scott, you were recently featured in a book called From Fields to Boardrooms. And um, when was that? When did you get interviewed for that?
2: Uh, that was a, that was done about a year and a half ago or so once we got done with the publishing. Kind of interesting book. I just happened to, to somebody just reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in being part of the book and uh, I was and it's, it was a pretty good 13 different authors each had a chapter dedicated to them and it was a pretty interesting uh,
0: book. Yeah, you, you, you've talked a lot about, you know, good business principles and overcoming adversity. But can you tell us a little bit more about your personal experiences with adversity?
2: Um, well, you know, the, the, the book, my, my second book that I wrote, which was authored by me, was it's uh, the name of the book is called Pick Up Your Mat and Walk. And that's kind of the story of my life, you know, tying some of our Christian values, my Christian values into how, you know, um, you know, how life uh, will throw you curveballs and how you just kind of overcome and move on. And it's all based on uh, Mark 2 11 based in the Bible where, you know, how Jesus healed the man and um, and uh, because of his belief and and um, that same principle is kind of what I applied. You know, my uh, my life, like many others, has been, you know, Cultivated by, uh, you know, adversity. You know, whether it was, you know, my wife coming down with breast cancer, or the loss of my leg, or you know, numerous different things that we deal with. I mean, I have four children, so you know, adversity is.
1: Oh <laughs> <Well>, yeah, <laughs> something you one, adversity. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the the you know that's it. it really, it, it's a opportunity in disguise. It really is, you know, and uh, what you do with it is really tells you who you are. Um, you know, everyone asks me, well, what do you do when you wake up in a hospital bed and your life is pretty much changed? And my response is, is you, you do everything you can to move forward. I mean, I can't imagine doing anything less than that. Um, so, and that's, that's pretty much uh the the story of my life because to me it was a matter of survival uh you know i i grew up poor and um it wasn't like i could you know just just go and lay in a hospital bed for the rest of my life i had to support you know four kids uh and my wife and and uh, the time when that occurred all my kids were fairly young so to me it it's just this was a situation and i had a and anybody put in that same situation i would i would you know think that they would just uh, pick up the pieces of their life and try to move forward
1: yeah first of all thanks for your service you know it's it's an honor to be speaking to you today dr arias um you know i wanted to to ask you specifically about those days uh I've been to Brook Army Medical Center and seen a lot of vets who were recovering from injuries. Uh, you were injured in the service as well as that that accident. I read in your bio, and um, you know, so so to come back twice from that, really, I mean, that's you you really have to have a lot of belief in yourself to do that, right?
2: Well, I have to say, I have lo- I, I had to have a lot of belief in God personally, so <laughs> mm-hmm. because because it through my own will, it, it was pretty much uh impossible but uh, um, the second time was much easier than the first because uh, navigating your way through through ad- through adversity it's one of those you know you once you have the experience you know how to it's discouraging but at least you know the path. You know, right. So, um, but yeah, it was a. I, I was a little discouraged after uh, I had lost my leg and the return back to active duty, and then several years later having to be returned back to Bethesda uh, to be to be worked on because of a, another injury, and uh, it was very discouraging. But. Um, but, you know, obviously, you just kind of work through that, you know. I mean, what other choice do you really have? You you know, you. at least that's my perspective is uh, anybody put in my same situation would have probably done the same thing because you just you, you have to overcome that adversity and move forward um, and uh, understand. I, I have to say probably it's probably easier for me because in uh, times of adversity, you look for reasons why you know Mm -hmm. what is the purpose what is the rationale and i come to realize that through those experiences good bad or indifferent whatever they may be in your life um you know it kind of shows who you really are as a person you know and puts on a a display for others to see who you truly are you know i've never been a quitter and uh and fortunately my my life has given me plenty of opportunities to show that i'm not a quitter yeah definitely <laughs> no kidding <laughs>
1: yeah you
2: could uh, give job
0: a run for his money uh, there. I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> but did it prepare you to to start this business to start ace consulting because it seems like you know i mean uh building a business has its own adversity to it and uh there seemed like it was there was a little there but um you know not the same clearly
2: yeah, you're right. There's a lot of the same, you know, everything is relative, you know, so uh, starting a business up is is has a lot of adversity involved. But when you compare it and that's why I think that veterans are uniquely positioned uh, to uh, be successful business owners because everything is put in relative terms. I mean, when when you've been in a place where people are shooting at you, you mm-hmm. um, dealing with uh
0: the irs or (laughs) i mean you know
2: dealing with some of the stuff you have to deal with in business you know um you know difficult employees or whatever it, it all becomes um a lot less uh important or a lot less you know world shaking than getting shot at and for me you know, I, I always related it back to, to the loss of my leg. And I thought, well, yeah, this is difficult, but it's nothing compared to what I've been through. So I'm just <laughs> mm-hmm. going to work through this, you know, and, um, um, and I, and I guess that goes through anything and anything in life as you're, I was fortunate enough to be the founder of my company and grow it. Cause we're almost, we're going to be doing about $20 million in revenue this year, um, Amazing. which, you know, uh, everyone says, "Well, well," and I'm not a general contractor. We self perform everything. So, twenty million dollars. We have hundred employees, in, and and uh, in our company. And um, you know, you want to talk about the things that we have to deal with today. I would not have been prepared for them when I first started the business in two thousand seven. It, it was it was that growing experience and having to deal with things and having those learned experiences to go through um to help m- me cope and deal with the difficulties of the day in and day out um uh challenges that uh, growing and leading a business is
1: yeah would you tell anyone in construction to, to hire vets and and look for that type of experience because um you know we, we still need more of them in our workforces trade yeah. contractors all of them yeah
2: well, I'll say one thing, you know, the, when I was in the service, they used to always say, you know, you have a, uh, a leg up on everybody else because there's some basic things that the service teaches you. And I thought to myself, what it, why would those be important? And the number one they said, one well, number one important thing they said is, you show up to work on time every day. And I thought to myself, that's ridiculous. You know, everybody <laughs> yeah. shows up to time and work on time every day. But... That's obviously a challenge, you know, Um, doing what you say, you know, keeping your word, which, you know, I guess you you take it for granted when you're in the service that people are just going to do what they say they're going to do. Uh, But then you get involved on, you know, especially in the business that we're in, there's a lot of people who say they're going to do something that don't actually do it come through Mm -hmm. you know uh the other one i'd have to say is uh integrity you know um as you guys mentioned i mean i taught for 10 years as a tenured professor at uh eastern kentucky university and and part of the curriculum was having to teach and part of our accreditation was having to teach uh ethics in five different courses throughout the curriculum and um i and we all know why and we know why because you know uh there there's uh, there's a lot of unethical stuff that happens there and the great thing about you know the service is it does teach you at least for a kid that grew up in a pretty with a really pretty tough childhood and probably wasn't the best kid you know uh it taught me the un- understanding of hey what's right what's wrong you know how do you know it's right and wrong you know mm. and it gives you a good moral standing and i you know and i always tell people uh, that I'm probably more flawed of a person than anybody you'll meet. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Uh, the thing is that I've learned from those mistakes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'm not saying that, that, you know, I, uh, I'm any better than anybody else, uh, re- related to where you, where I stand ethically. I just, uh, I just, I've been there, done that and realize that some of those routes are not the best thing to do. And and there's a lot of not necessarily illegal stuff, ethical stuff, which Mm -hmm. I always talk about when you, when it's not illegal, you have to ask yourself, is it a question of, you know, of, of ethics? And that's where it gets and coming from the service and some of those values uh, that they teach you um, has been extremely helpful, you know, Mm -hmm. in business.
0: Since you also, having been in the military, um, would you say that also has helped you um, provide the expertise for clients, uh, especially for government projects? Um, I imagine there might be a lot of uh, hoops to jump in and um, red tape to learn how to untangle.
2: You know, uh, there's a reason that government projects are so expensive, and that Mm. is because um, they do a lot of stuff right. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't I, I you know, and I and I'm not saying that people in the private world don't, but take submittals, for example. You know, you cannot st- start an, a construction activity without having a submittal complete. That's that. And that's the government world. That's where the world that I grew up in. But in the private world, which I've worked in also, and my company does a, an extensive amount of work in is those same rules may not apply you know, they're good, they're good business practices, but they don't always apply. And um, uh, you know, that basis of, of, of understanding the right way to do things has been extremely helpful. Even if in the end, we know, hey, this is the way we should do it, but we're going to have to do it this way in order to get it done. And I understand that I've, I've, I've been on construction projects. I understand that Time and difficulty and situation dictate a lot, but understanding when to do what is very important. Mm-hmm. You know, so absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, some of these agencies I looked on your website that you work for: NAVFAC, um, the Army Corps. You know the the standards they have. Um, you know, just with your embassy work alone, you you've got Tempest standards for skiffs and things. There really is a whole new set of expertise you need, right?
2: It, there is, you know, um, the 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 world of uh, of working in whatever government agency um, it is, whether it's federal, state, municipal, um, they are, you know, they all have uh, their own set of rules to follow. Um, you know, my my challenge was kind of a little bit opposite of that was understanding. Okay, if you work in an organization with with the organization that there is no rules, <laughs> you know, cause I've been a, I've been a licensed uh, 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 builder in the state mm-hmm. of Kentucky since 1996. And wow. you know, obviously the, the residential world is much different than the government world as far Wild as Wild West. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it yeah. really is, you know. And depending, and you know, Michigan has one of the largest uh, uh, builders organization in the United States, and they're probably more regulated than many, many places, but yet understanding how to still play the game, but do it right. So I always think it's easier for me. It was easier for me to go from, hey, I know what the right thing to do is to, to apply towards uh, circumstances and then go in the opposite way for somebody who practices in the Wild Wild West west, and then get thrust into a heavy regulated, you know, construction world uh, like the federal government is, that's a that's a wake up call, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: So how do you recruit your employees? i obviously your company's um, its uniqueness is largely due to the wide variety of services you're able to provide. So how do you find your talent?
2: Well, um, interesting enough, uh, well, the company, all the services that my company does, whether it's pre-construction or field staffing or uh, security or training, all just basically falls back into my kind of like you know, my, my experience and where my career is kind of taken me, you know, mm-hmm. um, we do training obviously, cause I was a professor at one point, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, it just makes, makes sense. So, um, I, th- about 70% of all our employees come from my local area. And a lot of them are my former students. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I, I made as I, um, I went to Eastern, uh, initially to teach as a way to help supplement my income until my company got up and running. Then I really fell in love with teaching because teaching is, you know, it's just a wonderful thing, especially at a sure. great uni- university like Eastern. And uh, we had, we had a really good culture of where we had a very family oriented culture, I had about 120 students at one time. And, um, it was a very family oriented culture. Um, and, uh, uh, in fact, our students used to, we actually built a facility for our, we took an old bus garage and we refitted the bus garage for, uh, your classrooms and whatever. And we actually have like an, a big area that has ping pong tables and, yeah. and pool nice. tables and things like that. And, yeah. Um, I just you know I, I developed friendships over the years you know my number my number two uh, the the president of my company he uh, he is uh, uh, one of my first students and in fact the reason I hired him is um, when I was thinking about I needed somebody to go to North Carolina for me and I was thinking back of people I, you know, uh, that are respected and that I could trust. And I remember this one student who actually approached me about receiving a higher grade on Blackboard than what he actually earned. And I thought, boy, that's an, an anomaly, you know? I mean, how often do you have some, some kid do that? And, that? and I always respected the fact that, that, you know, he knew the difference between right and wrong on top of being a very sharp individual. Um, and he ended up, I ended up bringing him on board and he's been my longest standing employee, um, and really has one been the one to help me build the business. Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot, I, up until the last few years where we've grown to a point where I can no longer just use my personal relationships, um, a lot of it has been founded on my relationships. I've. I've had through the university, uh, mm-hmm. and through time, but, uh, now we're much bigger. Mm-hmm. About two years ago, we we hired the first employee that I didn't have a relationship with, you know, mm-hmm. which was really weird, you know, <laughs> we're, we're getting bigger <laughs> the yes. business is growing, <laughs> you know. but and you're still an
1: adjunct at, um, Eastern Kentucky, right? You still teach.
2: Yeah. I do. I, I'm a, we're a big supporter. Um, Number one, what it has done for me personally and more importantly, what I've seen it do for other people. Um, you know Kentucky is uh, is a beautiful place to live. I love Kentucky, uh, but it's also has there's also a lot of difficult things. you know You have a lot of poverty in Kentucky sure. outside mm-hmm. of the big cities. And uh, Eastern Kentucky University service serves, serves um, many rural places like Eastern Kentucky where they're former mine towns, you know, and coal, since coal's kind of is dying, you know, you have a lot of these young kids come from impoverished backgrounds and this is their way out. Um, and uh, I just, the 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 values of the Midwest, you know, um, the work ethic, you know, that's one thing I can say is that, you know, you can talk about. I have some very, very, very sharp, sharp people that work for my company, but you'll never beat us just because we're sharp. You never beat us because we have a work ethic that, like no other, you know. And that's something that you can't get from any anywhere else. So, I, I just, I love teaching. I love what it does. I've seen the, the incredible things and the lives that's changed. And I, even though I left uh, several years ago. Um, I still want to participate because uh, number one, I feel it's my obligation, but number two, I also just want to be part of such something that does so much good in this world.
0: Mm-hmm. And we need to keep getting some of that young you know, younger generation talent into the construction industry. Um, where do you see your company going? It's been growing. You have three offices now. Where are the other two offices beside Nicholasville? and where do you see it going?
2: Well, we have a we have an office in Louisville and uh, the, the there's a couple reasons for that. Um, um, number one, Louisville has a, a lot larger employment market than Lexington. Um, so and I had I had really a superstar uh, that lived in Louisville. And I put an office there because I thought, you know, what this, it's easier to get in and out of. We have more of a labor pool. So that's what, you know, that's why we have there. And, and that's panned out well. Uh, and then we have another office, a small office in Winchester, Kentucky. And um, Winchester, Kentucky is a very small town. And I had I had several employees that lived there. And uh, when I was just looking at it from a. Uh, you know from an employer perspective and productivity perspective it just made sense and rather than having them drive an hour to the office gosh i could put up a small office for them out there and save that time so for them and for me you know so uh that's 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 where you know why we have an office there but our our future plans are um our, the the company uh, about two years ago we I put together a ten year plan uh, to turn over the company to an ESOP, and I did that for a couple reasons. Number one, uh, it's a good retirement plan for me. Um, so, and then number two is I really wanna I really wanna gift uh, the, you know, the, the company that a lot of people have worked hard for, uh, to the people who deserve it. And that's the employees. So, uh, it's a win-win total. So in the next 10 years, we're looking, we're looking 2030 is when, uh, I'm going to, I won't exit. I'll be on the board of directors, but, um, in 2030, I'll, I'll be moving into more of a, an overall supervisory, uh, non kind of stakeholder role and um and active
1: chairman we call it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah so
2: which yeah. pretty much means i can come in whenever i want and you know mm-hmm. and not have to worry about the daily operations but but uh but the the we're gonna open an office in uh colorado and the reason colorado is we have a lot of clients on the west coast and a couple hours difference is a is it could be a really big deal, you know, uh, nothing, tear, nothing tears me up more than to see some of my employees in the office at 10 o'clock at night because of the time difference, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then so that's kind of a strategic uh, 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 office out there. And the other one is New York City. And the reason New York City is we're New York City or New York State, excuse me, not just sit in New York City, but has a, a very good disabled veteran um, set aside program. In fact, they do a lot of due diligence there, a lot of the corruption, a lot of the bad things you see happening within uh, the federal government uh, uh, to you know, veterans or disabled veterans set asides doesn't exist there because uh, there's a guy God, what is Kenny's last name? Um, I can't remember his last name, but he he the head of the program out there and he's done a really good job at, at creating a great program. They put a lot of money in the set-asides to help grow businesses, and uh, we got ours. It took about a year and a half to get our certification out there, but it was well worth it because they wanted to verify, hey, you're actually legitimate, you know, and I appreciate that. And then the last office that we're going to be opening is one we'll be opening right before I uh, I depart is going to be in Germany because we've had many different projects we work, we've done overseas, And uh, there's a lot more potential and why not put uh, the you're an office next to one of the largest military installations outside the United States. And that's in Germany, you know? So, um, cause we've done a lot of work. We've done an extensive amount of work in Greenland, uh, which is really interesting actually, um, having to deal with building on a, a thousand feet of permafrost is really <laughs> interesting, really, really interesting thing. Indeed. And then we've done, we've done work in Germany. We've done work in Italy. I mean, obviously, um, working with the federal government they have a lot of opportunities and not just with the federal government we work with uh many entities out there that do work outside the united states
0: Mm -hmm. so excellent wow
1: yeah
2: dr arias i wanted to ask you about um i was
1: recently in st louis and i wrote about a veterans community project um you know sort of a a project where they were going to build tiny homes for for vets who were kind of struggling guys who were um you know either homeless or dealing with addiction issues and there was going to be a community center in it. It was going to be near an EA, uh, VA hospital where, you know, they would have access to all the medical facilities they need. Um, the, the bureaucracy of um, the federal government can, can be difficult for a lot of vets, can it? And, you know, is that important for, for your employees and, you know, other vets like yourself where, hey, you know, we, we need to, to fill the gaps in the support that there isn't right now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, 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 you know, I love what we do because we're not only doing a lot of good by providing good jobs, you know, helping helping uh, general contractors or helping uh, federal agencies uh, perform work the correct way. But we're most of the work that we're involved with is is doing a lot of good for veterans, like working on VA hospitals. I mean, one of the big projects we're going to be involved with is the new billion-dollar VA hospital in Louisville. Um, and nothing does my heart good than to know, hey, I'm building this for a veteran because it, it, you know, th- number one, I have a heart for that because I, I am a veteran. I am a disabled veteran. Uh, but also knowing, understanding that, well, yeah, you know, we only lost – I forget what the statistics on, on between OIF and OEF uh, Iraqi freedom and during freedom. But um, if you look at the numbers of people, we lost comparatively to other wars, not the numbers don't give it justice, but what people fail to remember is the amount of people who are injured and the amount of people who are injured is a staggering amount because we know when you were a triple amputee, um, in vietnam you didn't make it off the battlefield you died on the battlefield you know but because we have such better uh ways of getting people off the bat- battlefield we had bet we had better b- battlefield uh you know technology as far as keeping people alive now you know this war is the only war we've ever had a, a quadruple amputee survive actually we've had several you know and it's great with the technology. The hard thing is, is that now you have to support that person for the rest of their life. So having a, you know, I've been very fortunate for VA for the VA because the VA here and the VA I've been, whether it's been in Chicago when I built embassies or the VA in Washington, DC, I've always, I've never felt like I didn't get what I needed to get, you know? Um, uh, And, the way they do their ranking system about like, you know, who gets, you know, who's able to get appointments and stuff like that. They've always really worked with me quite a bit. And uh, I've had 20 some surgeries through the VA and uh, I can't tell you that the VA doctors have really, um, have really done such a great job. And, and I think part of the reason why is some of the partnerships we have, like the VA in Lexington, uh, the university of Kentucky doctors also work there. So it's not just VA docs, you know? Um, and then the other, you know, my first doctor after I lost my leg, um, he, uh, this is actually right before operation, uh, um, and during freedom actually started, uh, he was an orthopedic surgeon in the surveying world, but because of nine 11, he chose to go to the service, you know? So you're taking some pretty highly competent people that really have purpose, you know? Um, out there performing services for our veterans, which I think is incredible, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, another scripture that speaks to that is, you know, I am my brother's keeper, and you know, you're all brothers, right, Vets? Absolutely, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and sisters. Yeah, and sisters. <laughs> so, Scott, you know, it's funny because um, this podcast is an exec talk with you, but I understand you also have a podcast podcast. That's a, an exec talk.
2: <laughs> it, it is. It is. It. Uh-huh. Uh, my podcast is uh, Connex, which obviously um, it's construction executive. But the if you look for like you go on iTunes or whatever, it looks like a Connex box. And I thought it was just <laughs> kind of lined up perfectly <laughs> for what we do. You know, <laughs> everyone says, well, why the Connex box? And I said, you know what? Because I've got the best counseling in my life, <laughs> you know, in a Connex box. So uh, but uh, the 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 the, um, uh, podcast is for construction executives. Uh, I call it the, the global leadership platform for construction executives. And it's just a, it's a way for us to, to, uh, for, for me to get on with, uh, some people who are really, really sharp and just ask them the same type of questions and let them talk. And, uh, you know, we've had some pretty, uh, incredible people on there. We've had, um, larry blackburn which was the head of uh, turner construction the medical division uh-huh. of turner construction mm-hmm. um we've had uh, several people on from uh from uh gray construction which is a, a local billion dollar food and beverage automobile they do a lot of design build construction company here in lexington uh i've had mark hill which was the one's regional vice president president for messer construction which which does billions upon billions of dollars worth of work so and then on the other side I've I've had some small business owners uh that own um you know uh, local engineering firms around here and in other places and it, it's it's nice to get on and hear their perspective on uh you know why they do what they do and and uh especially you know when we we're going through COVID um one of the right before COVID happened, um, I just sat down with uh, a, a really close friend of mine. It kind of went through and it's just nice to be able to have some advice from somebody. who Some people who are really, really sharp or maybe going through the same things that you're going through. And uh, um, so. That's just kinda and I I didn't get it started for that reason. I got it started because I was interested in in a podcast and I thought, you know, this would be something for me to do. Now <laughs> I don't have to go to school anymore. What well, what else can I do? So I thought about doing that and uh it's been a lot of fun and I always enjoy podcasts. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do we. <laughs> That's
1: why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Scott, tell us about your book. Uh, I feel bad. We haven't gotten around to it yet.
2: Yeah. Well, um The book, uh, Pick Up Your Mat and Walk is really, it's not a story of my life, but it's just a, it's a path to basically redemption, you know, Um, what difficulty, you know, obviously the beginning part of the book talks a little bit about, you know, some of the difficulties and the challenges I've had in my life, but the book is not about me. It's really about uh, the eight principles that lead your life to success And, and, and that's the, that's a basic foundation. Now this year, I, uh, I just actually, I'm working with a publisher right now. Uh, I finished a book up last year uh, f- for my next book called a formula for success. And it's just, I always thought, and this kind of relates to our discussion here today. One of the great things about the service taught me is there's a path to success. And that path may be, uh, you know, given to you like in the service when I, it, it it was documented. Hey, if you want to be a mass chief someday, this is what you need to do, you know, and it's a matter of whether you make the choice to go do it or not. It's not like this unknown thing. Well, when I got out of the service, I realized that path is not as clear, you know, so um, so I, I just started accumulating these different, you know, different Concepts that are based on a, a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, or an annual basis uh, to be able to make yourself successful. You know, uh, something simple as, "Hey, read read five minutes before you go to go to sleep every night." You know, hmm. it doesn't matter what you read, but read for five minutes. Well, why is that important? Well, if you look back and you look at people who are successful, that's something that people do. You know, yeah, they um, read. Then they read, you know, and it, it's not matter of the content. It just matters that they're filling the ring with knowledge to be able to relate the situations they have throughout the day um, to something. And so that's really that's really what it uh, what it's about. The, the books, you know, I'm not looking. Uh, obviously, I'm not looking to be the New York Times bestseller. Um, that would be great, you know, <laughs> but um, the the it was a, just a personal goal of mine that I felt like, hey, God has entrusted me with a lot of things, and I need to carry that message on to other people. And this is my mechanism to do so. So, yeah, you're moving it forward.
0: Right. Well, that sounds like a, a good note on which to start wrapping up. But before we do, Scott, any final thoughts?
2: Um, You know, one thing you mentioned in my intro is that we're an active supporter of an organization called the Lexan Leadership Foundation. And uh, what that is, is it's, it sounds really complicated, but it's really just a Christian based organization that takes money from people um, that, that donate and does a lot of good things in the world. I, I, the, the, the the president of the Lexington Leadership Foundation, uh, he tells me all the time, and I laugh. He's a great guy. His name's Eric, and uh, he, he always says he's the mafia of the nonprofits. You know, and <laughs> and I, I love that because I don't. I, I'm sure the the mob wouldn't appreciate that, but but the <laughs> the, the the but the truth is, is they they st- they stand in the dark, helping a lot of organizations out there do a lot of good, and as an organization lord's been good to me and i know a lot of people will listen to this podcast or read your magazine construction has done some some significant things for people and it's our obligation to turn that into something that can help other people you know and uh, that's something that we believe in uh, you know and that's why we contribute 10 percent of our profits uh, to um, the lexon leadership foundation because Really, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You can't take anything with you. So that's a legacy you leave behind.
1: That's definitely a great legacy. And, you know, as someone else who was from a a mining town, a small company town in western Pennsylvania, you know, that's paying it forward, you know.
2: Could I mention something? last thing I'd like to mention is um, ENR as an organization has always been. I remember being a young uh, person in construction. It was always something I would relate to and read a uh, read on. And um, through the years, I've always kind of kept it. I actually have a have the latest one. I'm sitting on my desk. Uh, it's just a it's a it's a it's a great tool and it's a great resource. First off, uh, when I heard you guys had a podcast, I was really excited because uh, you know the resources that are that that you guys have at your you know at your beck and call is great um and so i want to say uh, thank you for for having me on and thank you for what you guys do there's i can't tell you how how helpful what you you know having that having that information uh is to contractors and i'm not trying to sell you guys more magazines but Oh, but please, if I, do yeah, help us but,
0: sell more magazines. <laughs> if
2: I can help you in that manner, I'll be more than but I No, thank you. It's readers like you who make
1: us, you know, uh, relevant. We love providing it. You know? I,
2: I've been to a lot of construction companies in my life, and you can't walk into a construction company and not see E&R laying on, on, the, the, table. on the table right in front of you uh, wherever you go. I mean, it's just a staple of construction and, and – uh, I just, I just want to thank you guys uh, so much for for what you guys do every day. It's a labor
1: of love on this side, you know. We're we're here for you guys.
0: <laughs> well, thanks, Scott. Yeah. This has been another ENR Critical Path Podcast Exec Talk. I'm Eileen Cho.
1: And I'm Jeff Yoder's. For more ENR Critical Path podcasts, go to enr.com/podcasts slash and follow us on Apple and Spotify.
0: Thanks for listening.